hey, it's your old pal Slim. And this is 70mm, a podcast for film lovers. Every Monday, I'm joined by famous artist Danny Haas. How about the fact that uh, every man that is above um, Ellie in this film is a piece of shit? And spiritual advisor, Protolexis. Do the... Do they explain what a boogie is? And together as friends forever, we discuss recently watched movies. Later in this episode, we cover Jodie Foster's Contact from 1997. Is this the greatest science fiction movie ever made? Or is the corn knob turned up too high? Find out now. I do want to quick go to Proto real quick. Thank you. Just super quick. Proto posted a review Uh for 1917, and that's not the most important thing. Mm. He said he watched it in 4K. Can we get some details on this? You have made the leap and upgraded. I've made the leap. I took took Mm. a chance on myself. (laughs) Took a chance on my viewing experiences to... To go 4K. So I went out and I got the official 70 millimeter 4K TV from TCL Series 5, 55 inch 4K QLED. Jesus. Equipped with a Dolby Vision. I don't know about anything you just said. (laughs) I don't know if you guys have heard of this. Um, My gosh. How many HDMI inputs? I think there's five. Five? Yeah, I think there's. I love five. that. That's Andy's first question. How many HDMI inputs? <laughs> trying to get a, a vision. Plugging in. Are you doing? One thing that did disturb me though about this TV is there are no physical audio buttons. So if you lose there's a no remote, button? you are screwed. Just terrible. It's not entirely true. You can use the Roku app on your phone. I'm not. I'm not downloading oh. that app. On. <laughs> Yeah, so I watched 1917. I've been dying to rewatch this. So I put it on and uh, it was gorgeous. But Mm. the thing I was not prepared for Uh is the double-edged sword of 4K Mm. where Mm -hmm. it looks so good that uh, you can at times see right through the movie magic. To whether, uh, you know, as Slim has said, when he watched Batman, you can see the makeup caked on someone's face. You can mm-hmm. see the, the pores in their nose. Nose um, hairs. The nose hairs sticking out. Um, and for me, I could clearly see when things in this movie were uh, just like green screen or uh, like, th- like the 3D assets in the background. Where this, mm. the first time I saw it, like, it, it it just wasn't even something I noticed at all. It just, you know, you know, it's not real, but it doesn't look that way. Uh, it, it looks, you know, it, it, it kind of just blends in and there's nothing noticeable. It's like, all right, I know that's not really a burning cannon in the background. That's, um, you know, that's just digital. It wasn't? Um, 
it was not. <laughs> Did you, like, I didn't even notice any of that stuff. I didn't watch a hard copy uh, 4K of that movie. I think I watched digital Interesting. 4K. So you're saying the digital stream wasn't. I mean, the digital stream is uh, next level, but I guess I didn't even think to look at digital stuff because I remember there was one part of that movie that you didn't like. When we talked about it, it was when this the transition from him going down the waterfall I remember that mm. not looking, you know, real, quote unquote, like mm. that was like digitally adjusted. But that was the only scene I thought kind of was CGI-ish. Yeah. The scene that really stuck out to me is when they get out of the German trenches near the beginning and they're walking together and they're having that conversation uh, through kind of like where the, the Germans had the cannons. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it was just like very clear uh, that what I was seeing um and you verified real. this. You Googled, is the canon real in 1917 rat scene? Uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't verify it in that way. I feel, I, you know, I'm trusting my, my eyes. I have faith mm-hmm. in my eyeballs. Mm-hmm. I know what I saw. Um, but I mean, again, it, it's, the TV is amazing. I can't get over the, how good the, the dark scenes look on a 4K TV. It's unreal. It's like your whole room is, just the blacks are really black. Like truly yeah. black, mm. and, and it's it's incredible. Um, so I'm very very pleased. I'm looking forward to having more time to watch 4K movies. Uh, you know, I've had it for ten days now, and I've watched one. So <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm at. Uh, the life of someone renovating their kitchen with several children in the house and with a mm. podcast. <laughs> Leading Ladies Month. We put it to the VHS Village, our Discord to let's come up with a vote the leading ladies bracket of doom mm-hmm. put 64 leading ladies in a bracket everyone votes each round until we get to a final situation we're finally at the finals and we're ready to announce the top two what was one of the brackets actors actors versus directors directors we ended with sigourney weaver versus Greta Gerwig. Wow. Who did you want to win out of that song? Oh my God. Sigourney v. Greta. I, my thoughts on Little Women are well-known, well-documented mm-hmm. on this show. But I already know who won, so my opinion is moot at this point. Just saying, I'm just asking who you wanted, <laughs> Matt. No. I'm not going to reveal it. Part of who did you want to win? Who did I want to win? Uh, they're both very talented. Um, That's too political. Very answer. talented women. Really couldn't go wrong either way. Uh, our friend, our dear, dear villager Art did make a good point though. Sigourney has, uh, she has mm. 114 movies that she's acted in. Whereas uh, Greta has four films that she's directed. One of which isn't even out yet. Right. Uh, a just a second of which no one has even heard of. Yeah, so really just two. Correct. Yeah, was, I mean, there are some questionable voting decisions f- from the Discord, I can say frankly, mm-hmm. to, to bring this final together. Be frank. Uh, but we had a great list of women. We, we reached out to the ladies of the Discord to help us put together a list. The entire list was amazing, and I think you can still see that on V'ger, the supercomputer who loves the movies that Proto built. Mm-hmm. So thanks to everyone who helped us out. Uh, but we're not going to announce the winner right now. We're going to do that at the end of the show. <sighs> And we're going to announce our pick from the winner at the end of the show. 
Can I just say June is shaping up to be the biggest month in the history of this show? It's a big one. So we're going to do something unprecedented and announce June early. Our theme for June. Oh my gosh. This episode, we're doing Contact. Next week, we'll be doing a movie from either Greta Gerwig's extensive library or Sigourney Weaver's. There is a 4K UHD box set coming out in June, early June. Mm -hmm. And we thought, what better way to celebrate than to do the entire Indiana Jones franchise for the month of June. We're doing it. Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. <laughs> the marketing boys and gals that came up with Indiana Junes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're giving you some extra lead time. If you're thinking about getting the box set, I have it pre-ordered. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the first Indiana Jones movie? Raiders of the Raiders. Lost Ark. That's going to be the first one. So we're going through all four. The big one. Um, and we might have a bonus episode in there. Maybe a few bonus episode planned. So I can't wait. So excited. Other thing I wanted to bring up too real quick, we, maybe like a month ago, we added a new tier to our Patreon and $12 tier where if you paid annually, you could choose a movie for us to do for an exclusive Patreon episode only. So we're going to be doing our first one uh, next week before our next Mm -hmm. episode. And we're going to be doing Moana, Disney Plus. That's going to be our first exclusive episode coming your way. Uh, So if you want to get popping on Disney Plus, get ready. That's coming next week. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Seeing that? Lin-Manuel. Oh, fudge. Mm -hmm. Is it too late to tell Mm Forrest we're not doing Moana? Wait, you just announced it. Lin-Manuel? Who does he play? Oh, Lord. Here we go. We'll save it for the show. (laughs) Okay. Saving it. (laughs) He wrote all the music, Casey says in chat. Jeez. Jeez. Imagine not knowing that. I apologize. Imagine. Danny, what did you watch this week? Let's fire up Letterboxd and see. I only watched two movies this week. One was a Friday night family movie. Hmm. Mitchell's versus the Machines. Wow. Had a fun time watching it. Gave it three and a half stars and a heart. Uh, and a lot we'll of talk in Discord. <laughs> a lot of talk in Discord about your thoughts on that movie and the father. I had, I just had issues with this dad. I think if um, there's just a couple decisions uh, if, if with his arc that I didn't like. I just did. I didn't enjoy him as a father. I, he just felt like. Uh, you know, he had this like, I love my family. I I sell, uh, I'm going to spoil a little bit. I sell my house for my kids. Right. You know, my dream log cabin for my firstborn daughter to move log. into another, you know, house. But from then on, I don't give a damn about my daughter's hobbies until she's computer. about to leave college and or my life is on the line because robots are going to kill me. He's so maybe I'll finally guy. care about my daughter's life, you know? And not then the computer, computer gag, listen, it just, you can't tell me that these Gen Z kids understand that joke about the dad not understanding how to type on a computer. Mm. Get out of here. No, 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 no. 
Listen. Uh, then I watched uh, Lethal Weapon. At this point, and uh, it is a caricature of fathers and, um, that crosses all generations. It, it doesn't had, matter. Uh, Mel Gibson. It's not about it one generation. Christmas it's not time. about those who fathers and who Mel Gibson raised and kids Glover through the 80s or 90s the two of them. or the 2000s. And I really enjoyed it's the two of them together. It's for any father. We, you are going to experience this. You've already experienced this movie too. with different apps um, that you don't understand how they work. At it you have this as well. In the desert? I mean, this is true for everyone. It's I don't not even something that's that old or fades out. That is why uh, this is, you know, still so relevant quite, today. That's why Mr. Mitchell can be, you know, stars. not knowing how to use a, a computer. Of, a lot of bad it's, jokes it's a universal thing. And that's why I enjoyed it. I and, found it funny. Um, of course, as a kid, I didn't like it either. I, I didn't like the commercials. Bit, you know, or a dad, you know, it feels like it was like a bad diehard movie. But I was like, well, you know, why is this funny? But I can now only as a dad, take I get so it. much okay, of Mel Gibson in this film. And the fact that you don't and get you it see his is distressing to me. Very beginning. That you're a father, <laughs> and you've grown unreal, up, you're older, you uh, have kids. What happens? That you're, not, you're not getting any of this. And it's just, it's good. It was fun. I got it. Uh, I watched Boogie Nights. For the first time ever, PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, the Synonauts, you know, uh, friends of ours, also members of Tape Deck, our little mini podcast, uh, Cabal Syndicate group. So they were watching it and I figured maybe this was time for me to watch Boogie Nights. I liked, I didn't like, I love Punch Rock Love, Magnolia, amazing film. And uh, I figured, why not dig in to see, discover why I didn't ever watch this movie? I give this movie five stars. You gave Boogie Nights five stars? Boogie Nights is a five-star movie for me. I loved it. This is his second movie. According to Ian's review, he was 27 when he made it. Um, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like, even the first few minutes of this movie, if you hadn't seen his kind of like lower popular initial movie... It was in like you're you're seeing someone who has like greatness in them. This hmm. isn't just some rando making a you know porno uh, backstory movie with Burt hmm. Reynolds and this amazing cast. Like he just has it. I don't. know. It's kind of hard to explain. Mark Wahlberg, I think, is actually really good in it too. Huh. His wig work is next level. Did you say Burt Reynolds? <laughs> Burt Reynolds is in it. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's the director. There's like a whole backstory of Burt Reynolds, like uh, refusing to work with. PTA after this movie he thought it was going to destroy his career. Mm. Do the do they explain what a boogie is? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Boogieing is something that really can't be explained. You have to just experience it. I think Casey wants to know is boogie related to a hog? That's something for you to discover, Casey, when you watch Boogie Nights <laughs> Family Movie Night. <laughs> with Danny. Uh, so I was really blown away. Uh, nice. I liked Paul Thomas Anderson. I, I liked Phantom Thread. I didn't, I don't love Phantom oh, Thread. I think that kind that. of stretched what my enjoyment level was of a Paul Thomas Anderson film. So I'm excited to see whatever he's Did up he to Did he do next. that other movie with the oil digging? There, there will, will be, be blood. blood. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. How about, how about a, a super cut uh, of Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood, and we call it There Will Be Boogie. <laughs> huh? 
I like it. Oh boy. We mentioned Letterboxd. I think a few friends saw my review of Boogie Nights on Letterboxd.com. Uh, but every week we give out a free year of Letterbox Pro, which gets rid of third-party ads. And you can see where, if you were looking on Boogie Nights, you could see that it was streaming on HBO Max. So you could fire it up if that was one of the services you pay for. Uh, so this week's winner, a free year of Letterbox Pro, Master underscore Crowley Brit. Congratulations. And it. Congrats. And uh, if you wanted to support Letterbox at any time, you know, if you want to upgrade to Letterbox Pro or patron status, I'm actually due for an upgrade soon. You can do so at 20% off using the link on 70mmpod.com mm. to support LB. Lexa is still thinking about Big Man's DDL transatlantic accent in There Will Be Blood. Pardo, isn't that one of your favorite movies? I love that movie. I'd mm. die for that movie. Oh, God. Wow. Jodie Foster, this is my pick for leading ladies month. Proto, are you ready to guide us through this interstellar journey? Ellie has always listened to the stars. What started as a hobby with her dad to connect with other people, she now listens for signals from the deep recesses of space, hoping to hear someone else. A member of the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Program, or SETI, she hears a signal repeating a sequence of prime numbers and quickly concludes that it is coming from the star system Vega, 25 light years away. Within the message is found plans for a machine that can transport someone. The somewhere is unknown, but Ellie believes that it is a chance to prove that we are not alone in the universe and our chance to make contact. Hmm. Oh boy, let's get into it. I think I remember saying several times that this is my first, one of my first DVDs. I actually said this to my dad when I saw him this weekend, I told him we were doing Contact. We also talked about Bridge and the River Kwai quite a bit. Uh, it was funny hearing him talk about the finale, his reaction to it, and yelling at the screen when he first saw it. <laughs> um, but he, I mentioned we were doing contact. He's like, oh, yeah, wasn't that your first uh, DVD that you bought? <laughs> he That's remembered. Awesome. Danny, do you remember the first time you saw it? Um, Maybe, I don't, I don't know, actually. Years ago, when I was on some sort of sci-fi kick, probably around the time I watched Moon, maybe. Um, but I've probably seen it four, three or four times since then. But you, Proto? I don't remember, but it was um, at some point in my teen years, my dad putting it on, you know, that uh, the, long, the long journey through sci-fi films that were important that he, mm. would, he would show mm -hmm. me. So, Yeah, that was going to be my first note. Um, but I guess, full disclosure, I had this rated as five stars on Letterboxd before we even did the show. So you'll already kind of know my vibes. But this is my kind of sci-fi. You know, it has deep questions about life and science and space. And, you know, for the most part, they give you some information to kind of tantalize you. But it still pulls you back 
to reality and doesn't really, you know, explain everything. You know, like the journey when she's going through the pod and she sees like certain things and when she lands at the location, the quote unquote, you know, Pensacola Beach, you get like just enough information to kind of just like make you almost inquisitive yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I want to learn more about this. I want to just consume more science fiction and space exploration stuff, anything. So that's what I, that's one of the main draws of this movie. What about you, Proto, um, when you were seeing this? Well, I think the, the thing to me, the, it, it has one of the, the, the most satisfying and rewarding uh, scenes in all of, of, of cinema or, or sequence. It's, it's kind of more of a scene cause I guess it spreads, but it's when they, when they start to decode the message mm. and the layers of decoding that happens from that. Like the first time I saw this, it was like the greatest dopamine rush I'd ever experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. Like this is like just as they uncover, it's like, okay, it's, you know, a sequence of prime numbers. And it's like, oh, wait, there's, there's an image here too. Uh, and then you see what that is. And then they look at it in a different level and it's like, oh, there's, there's more data here. And we, you know, we turn it this way and now we have this information and then, and then you take that, oh, it's not 2d it's 3d and let's bet. And all of that, that whole sequence is just so incredible. Um, and every time I see it, I'm blown away. And there's few things that are, are, are like that compelling to me and that satisfying out of sci-fi. Usually they just leave me like wanting more, which this does, but like almost like I don't have enough. I feel that way often about like, I love the alien franchise, mm-hmm. but I feel like when I watch that, I'm not getting enough of the universe. Like I want mm-hmm. a little bit more with each movie and I, and I don't get that. And it kind of feels like, because they, they don't know what they even do, but the way this just unfolds with the message and just how much they give you and how much they, they, they don't, it, 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 to me, it's just absolutely brilliant. I think what I love most about this is it has the conversation of faith and science and it does it in a way that isn't um, isn't the normal kind of um, fight of who's right and who's wrong, and it's not um, in your face kind of uh, like argumentative. So it's 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 putting out both conversations with Jody and Matthew's characters, and as someone who um, was raised religious, who is still religious uh, and has a belief in a God. Um, I think that's why I'm always drawn so much to science and sci-fi because I I love the conversation and I love um, kind of, I don't don't know. I just, the, the thing about this movie for me is I feel uh, it has, it's just a great feeling watching this film and it's hard for me to put into words on what it is that I actually really love about it. Uh, it just feels different than any other sci-fi movie that's kind of out there that puts forth this sort of message uh, of faith and uh, hope. And it really is kind of a very, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I, I love what, I just, I enjoy this film quite a bit. 
Yeah, Farah says it's a non-destructive discussion on faith versus science, which makes sense. Right. You know, the conversations between Matthew and Jody, you know, they kind of debate a little bit, but it's never almost like one way or the highway. You know, they're still kind of like right. open to having a discussion about what could be or what is. The other note that I had, you know, the idea that this, we could potentially make contact um, with something in outer space and we get like the, sh the details on how to build something. We don't know where it goes, but that we get the schematics to something. And in the movie, you see these kind of like, you know, uh, people that are really against it, people that are really for it to the point where it causes the destruction of the first machine. Can you imagine if this happened in mm. 2021? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Any no. of this going on in our society, I feel like we would just be completely killed ourselves by this. Right. I have no, I have no expectation that we would ever get off this planet with one person. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, that feels like an incredibly accurate of just what the reaction would be if something like this happened. Um, yeah, almost like different sex, like popping up immediately as to, yeah. you know, deciding what this means. And also that, I thought that scene of it exploding from the beach looked amazing. Yeah. It still holds up. Big time. Even mm -hmm. the ship in the distance, like they did some really smart things and to kind of like keep it far away to maybe make it look realistic like it in the fog when they had the second one up mm -hmm. and even at the the first location that looked legit that looked real in my opinion yeah it's a, it's very impressive what they did what else is on your list uh proto well uh it's been a while since i saw this and i was surprised at how uh how do i put this uh corny some of it felt mm um, especially the flashback stuff to when she was young, there was just like a lot that felt kind of, I don't know, just like unnecessary, um, over indulgent in like sappiness. Uh, and it, it just didn't, I, I didn't really bother me that much, but it, it just felt a little off. Like, okay, we, like we didn't need this much of it and we didn't need it at this level. Mm. Um, How'd you guys like those scenes? Well, I, are you talking about when she's a kid and her father? Yeah. That kind of flashback scenes? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't find it corny. I, I think maybe I give it a pass because of how old the film is, maybe. Because I don't, I don't know. But it doesn't bother me. I like the story of her and her father a lot. And I, I, I don't know if it's overdone. I feel like they do it just enough. But there when it comes to this film that flashback sequence there's like there's like scenes in all of sona that i remember quite a bit one is like the jaws dolly shot the second is the mirror shot in this in this film and i don't know if you guys know what i'm talking yeah. about oh, yeah. that mirror shot kind of breaks my brain every time i see it and it's such a simple thing but i don't know do you know what i'm talking about proto yeah yeah and she's running up the stairs and she grabs a mirror I think if I didn't have that, I don't know. I love that shot so much. And uh, so when I think about the flashback scenes, that's all I really think about because <laughs> it's I, such a brilliant, simple uh, process, but it just kind of works so well. The only thing that I would, um, that jumps out with your comments, Proto, that is too sappy is Matthew McConaughey's 
role in a lot of this, in this viewing. So we follow all of our friends in Letterboxd and people that we're friends with watch this for maybe like the first time. And I saw a few comments about Palmer Joss, which is Matthew McConaughey's character. I think probably even Chuck was pretty brutal on him. And I was like, I kind of like raised my eyebrow. Like, I don't remember any negativity about Matthew McConaughey in this movie. So when I watched it again, I almost kind of felt like I wanted less of him in this movie. So like, at least in this viewing, his presence didn't age as well for me. Um, like his being the kind of spiritual advisor, first of all, I wondered, I just imagined Proto in his role for most of the movie <laughs> in a lot of what he was saying <laughs> as Palmer Joss. So when he is on the council and stuff and he, she doesn't get in. She tries to be the first person to go through it and, she, and he votes her out and says, you know, he asks her on the hearing, do you believe in God? And he explains to her, he's like, I couldn't in good conscience let someone who didn't believe in God up there. And I was like, see, Chuck, that's why he did it. He didn't do it because he loved her. I'm like referencing Chuck's letterbox. But then later in the movie, he's like, I voted you out. I lied. It's because I love you. And I was like, <laughs> come on, this is a little too corny. Like, I actually didn't enjoy those aspects of it as much. Um, just because I just wanted Jody to continue to be front and center for the decision-making uh, on all of it. Um, what did you think, Proto, of the McConaughey yeah. stuff? Oh, I th yeah, I thought the Palmer Joss character, he was a, he's a little too much of just a foil to have this back and forth conversations with, uh, with Jody. Like anytime they're, they're talking, it's, it's, um, it's really not, they don't really spend that much time building the relationship. Like they quickly have a romance uh, and then they have these, you know, science versus faith discussions. Yeah. Um, and that's like the main interaction, which is good because like, like you guys were saying earlier, I like, I love that aspect of it. And I, I'm, I'm dying to, you know, read the book at some point. You know, I haven't read it. Um, but to me, all of this, I imagine just what I've heard from Carl Sagan is directly from him and, and just the way he uh, toes the line so well and, and doesn't seem to have an agenda either way. I think stories like this so often you're, someone has an agenda you know, and it's either one way or the other. It's like to prove this or to prove that. Where with this, it doesn't really feel like Sagan was trying to prove anything, but really just use it as a as a way to you know explore these ideas. And Palmer Joss's character enables that. But yeah, you know, sometimes it feels a little forced. But I overall, I like I enjoy I enjoy it, even though it might not feel totally natural in the movie. Sean says they slept together 18 minutes into a two and a half hour movie. When they first meet each other, I, I felt like Jody was in a position where she just hadn't been with anyone in so long. And then when she recited that one, when he said that one quote, she just like had a light switch go off and it was just on no matter what, no matter who it was. It could have been, it could have been Dane Cook for all she cared at that point. <laughs> all right, please. Um, but the, uh, the parts where he reveals to her about the vote or like the vote is about to stop to happen. And they're outside of like the Washington monument or wherever in Washington and they hug and embrace. I thought that was an amazing scene. And they just have like this kind of old school embrace where they're rubbing face. Like they don't know mm. what's happening. 
but they have emotions for each other. And even Jody's like, I'm so confused. Um, I love that shot. I love that whole moment that they shared uh, in that scene. How about the fact that uh, every man that is above um, Ellie in this film is a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's so mad. Like, and I get it. Like it's, it's done so perfectly well that it's the truth. Like this is, this is Ellie. She's fighting an uphill battle in a field of men who are not as smart as her, but they have the power over her and they use it and it's, and they do it so well. And it's so maddening. Like Mm -hmm. Scarif's character Honestly, as much as I want to punch James Wood in the face every time I see him on screen in any movie, uh, Tom's character, I cannot think of his name right now. Drumlin. 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 He makes me the maddest in this film. Like he Mm -hmm. is... He is the worst person to Jody's life. And honestly, when he... Every time he blows up in that uh, first shuttle, I... I'm fine with it because <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm okay with the fact that he's dead because <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, I, I just hate him so much in this film. Like he, to the point of where he resigns his white house position just to take the spot that Jody should have on that first mission. And it's, it's just like, ugh, I get so mad and that mad at those, at the men in this film. I love the character though. Like it's so oh, it's well, so it's perfectly so well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love the scene uh where Drumlin has that honest moment with oh, with Ellie about her deserving it. And he's saying, Well, you know, that's not the world we live in. Oh. Ellie, I know you must think this is all very unfair. Maybe that's an understatement. What you don't know is I agree. I wish the world was a place where fair was the bottom line, where the kind of idealism you showed at the hearing was rewarded, not taken advantage of. Unfortunately, we don't live in that world. Funny. I've always believed that the world is what we make of it. You know, like, <laughs> you do deserve it. And that is such great writing. It's yeah. so, so good. And just to have that character have, like, this moment of honesty and be like, Ellie, I beat you. I'm, you know, I'm going to meet him first. And, but it's not fair. You should have got it. But, you know, mm. this world sucks. I remember, just like Danny said, I remember growing up hating the James Woods character mm-hmm. in this movie. But Drumlin, mm-hmm. you're right. Drumlin is just top dog shit in this movie. Right. And James and Woods, I almost felt like his character, you know, I can kind of see being this way, you know, like, he kind of got short short uh shrift at the, his first appearance by her you know well well deserved but even at the hearing he's asked he even points out he's like you're you'd be, you'd be doing the same thing in my position if you were me and you had no evidence mm-hmm. whatsoever and i was like mm, damn okay Either i think way. one of the maddest things that drumlin does is there are those moments where jody's explaining what's happening and uh the like James Wood doesn't understand it. Like the first time they go to the radio station with the army and she's explained to him, but like, she's saying exactly what is happening. And then like you could tell Woods, character doesn't understand, but Drumlin mansplains it 
as if he's helping her. And it mm-hmm. just, I want to choke the life out of him. It's so frustrating. He does that step. He steps in for her so many times. Yeah, he does. And it's, it's just like, it, it's like, I hope I never do this to a woman. Like, do have I ever mansplained something to where I've made someone feel like Jody most probably likely. feels? Most likely. Most yes. likely. And I can't imagine. It's just, <laughs> you just watch it because you want Jody to just beat the shit out of him. How about the scene too, where the Hitler communication is the one that they uncover in front of everyone, and mm-hmm. James's James Wood's reaction to that <laughs> message on screen is so good. Oh my god, I crack up every time that happens. Oh, one of my notes is the sense of wonder is just off the charts when she is going through the machine, mm-hmm. uh, the second machine. Uh, I wrote that I love the muted effects of the machine in the fog. And how about S.R. Haddon in this movie? How about S.R. Haddon? Oh, yeah. There are like three different S.R. Haddons in 2021 right now that you could say this movie came out, it would be like, you know, a parody of those rich people. Mm-hmm. Unreal. I listened to a uh, NPR podcast um, where they talked about the science of this film and they interviewed um, a woman who's a scientist at the Nevada or New Mexico um satellites where these were filmed and they were talking about how real uh, some of this science was. And she said the fact that Jody listens to the satellite is the most unrealistic thing ever. Cause they would never do that. But she said S the Haddon character makes the most sense because it, it's exactly what happens. They needed, they, they never get the government funding. They need the eccentric billionaire mm-hmm. uh, to fund these projects that can just throw around their money. And I thought that was kind of fascinating because I feel like the Haddon character in this film, outside of space travel, he feels the most odd. Like it's such an odd character. But I guess in 2021, we have these characters in our in real life that <laughs> are making spaceships and self-driving vehicles. Right. Yeah. He kind of felt like a character out of a Pixar movie out of like the Incredibles or something. Yeah. Yeah, He's, he's so colorful and, and odd, especially when suddenly, you know, the, the, the scene where she has a video conference with him and he's up in the Russian uh, space Space station. station. It's like, he's up there to slow the growth of cancer in his body. Like that is so far out and crazy. I love it though. Yeah. Yeah. What else is on your list, Proto? Well, you guys were talking about uh, um, Drumlin and James Wood's character and and kind of how they were um, pushing Ellie around. But the thing I thought it was that the scenes where Ellie is like, like, hey, guys, y- you can't do that. This this is my project. Uh, like, I, I discovered the, 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 the message. I'm like thinking like, come on. There's no way you think that you discover an alien message that because you discovered it, it's like somehow you're going to be like, if the government get a, got a hold of that, everything is off the table. Like <laughs> to think that you have any kind of right or that they're going to care at all that you found it and discovered it is, is like seems so naive to me. Um, of course, if she has like the credentials and obviously she is an expert in the field, you know, it would make sense. But this sense of like ownership because she found it, that just seems so kind of like strange. Like, 
I could see I could see the explanation for that being that she's lived a life where she had just been tossed to the side by all of her superiors for so many for so yeah. long that it maybe just like built up finally and is now exploding in the form of this uh, message that she found. Well, I mean, I think any of us in in her position would probably do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, <laughs> like you're gonna fight to hold on to to being a part of this yeah. as, as hard as you can. Danny, what else you got? My actually, my first note was how much I loved the intro to this film. Um, when it starts with the CGI shot, which is still a, an absolutely gorgeous intro, pulling out of Earth and hearing all the different radio waves until it kind of goes by to silence the distance it gets from Earth, and it. Really, I mean, it sets it, it. It it perfectly sets the tone for this film to me. Um, I think I read somewhere where this was one of the first or the, one of the first longest CGI shots in cinema Mm. back then. Um, And uh, also Alan Silvestri's score in this. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. The piano uh, work in some of this is, it gives me the chills, especially Mm -hmm. like at the ending and stuff like that. So I really love the intro to this film. Uh, I forgot to double check this, but I remember reading that their usage of White House clips, like with mm-hmm. Clinton, mm-hmm. kind of set them to make a rule that studios weren't allowed to just reuse press conference clips in their movies without like written permission, <laughs> because they use quite a few of Clinton in this movie. Yeah, and, yeah, like, and like CGI'd him in. And it's and stuff. impressive what they did to, um, like so many of the shots. Like there's when he's doing like one of the press conference scenes. If there's a there's a 30 minute making of doc you can watch, and some of the scenes where he's at a at the like White House like podium, mm-hmm. he's actually in like the garden. Like they had to find the right conversations to splice into this film, right? And they even went as far to like change the color of his suits and ties to make it completely different from Excuse what he was me. actually wearing. Um, and then like the scenes where he's sitting at the conference table with all the actors, yeah. uh, there's a set in, there's a sit in uh, person to sit there. And all they did was replace his head with actual right. Bill Clinton that, footage. That didn't hold up quite as well as the other, as the other show. <laughs> but it's still, it's still so impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like the Clinton stuff. I, it, to me, it, it kind of grounds it. It lets it not have this fake president where I yeah. can't, uh, you know, like not comprehend but like it it just makes it more real yeah like honestly if they filmed this with i feel like obama would have totally like filmed (laughs) this film or some more modern president but uh yeah i i I think the clinton stuff was pretty rad yeah i like that too i've always liked that when they actually they just use a real president in the movie uh yeah see the last time they ever did it did it because this is the movie that probably ruined it for everybody yeah maybe Zemeckis got it. Zemeckis ruined it for everybody else. <laughs> Let's talk about um, the the actual contact at the mm-hmm. end of the movie. She is in the pod. She finally goes through. She goes through this, you know, intergalactic uh, subway, which she deduces herself in the journey. Um, and she's trying to like vocalize it back to the team through her headset, which may or may not be working. Um, and she gets out and she lands on a beach and there's these awesome shots where she's touching what she's seeing in the sky. Um, it's really cool, like perspective stuff happening. And then her dad shows up, her quote, her dad. And she has this conversation with the alien um, about what it is and 
what the trip is meant for. Prado, what did you think? How did, how did this scene hold up for you on this feeling? I, you know, I remember the first time I saw this being really frustrated with the ending. Like, this doesn't make any sense. What's going on? And, and being disappointed. But now, man, I, I love the ending in this. Um, it makes total sense to me. Uh, and, and just, and, and that this would be the approach that advanced life forms take to contact others where it's like, all right, we don't want to show ourselves. We don't want to come face to face. So we have this way of, um, uh, you know, looking inside their mind, finding their most important memory and reconstructing this person so that they can talk to them, someone they know they're familiar with. And like, that's, that's who we'll use to, to talk with them. And then even the, the, the fact that, he, you know, I don't remember if she asked him, but he says like, this is the way we've always been doing it for millions of years. Like this is the first step, which is, which is also to me is brilliant. I, I like the idea that maybe, you know, maybe the, well, I guess, you know, if she's traveling through a wormhole, they can travel. Um, but, you know, maybe it just starts with communication, you know, and that, that's the only thing that they do um, for a long time. You know, maybe the next contact doesn't come for another hundred years. You know, they, they just because if you've been around for millions of years, you know, a hundred years is, is nothing. So you would just start with really, you know, small baby steps. So I, I, I love the ending in this or, or that portion where she where she's there mm -hmm. talking to her dad. Yeah, I, I really vibe with this ending. I always have. And it's funny, I feel like every time I watch it, um, I, f I get like, not like I, I've something, I learned something new, but I, I get like a different perspective of what they're doing. Like, I feel like the first time I watched this, I'm like, yes, uh, she's meeting aliens on an alien planet and it's, uh, just projecting her father. And, but then I, then I come to a round where I'm like, man is this like, is this God? Like, is she, is she, is this more of a spiritual experience? And then I watch it again, like, man, this is aliens. It's all technology. Like I, that's why I think I've vibe with this so well, because there's so much you can take from this marriage of faith and, and science. And uh, I love that she lands on Pensacola, <laughs> but I well, love yeah, that her, her, her drawing. drawing. Yeah. You see the three different, uh, palm trees that she drew. And uh, I love the conversation with her father because I like, I, there's just so much uh, when he talks about the species of human and how he's like, uh, there's there, you're capable of great things, but also terrible things. And, um, and I like Jody's experience and I like that she, when she comes back, um, and nothing has, she's been gone for what? F fractions of seconds. Yeah, not even. And they don't believe her. And it comes to, it comes again to having to have to have faith and, and uh, believe in what has happened to you, uh, which is what Palmer Joss's character kind of explains at the beginning when she asks about the faith in God and, he asks, he gives her the, do you love your father line and then prove it. Uh, so I, I just, this is a brilliant ending of a film, I think. Mm. Yeah. I loved, I loved her conversation with Palmer early on about how she broke down, 
you know, if even just, you know, in a million of those star systems. Yeah, there are 400 billion stars out there just in our galaxy alone. If only one out of a million of those had planets, all right? And if just one out of a million of those had life, and if just one out of a million of those had intelligent life, there would be literally millions of civilizations out there. Well, if there wasn't, it'd be an awful waste of space. Which is, the way she broke it down in that conversation is probably one of my favorite scenes in the Mm -hmm. movie. And then just them breaking down about how long they've been doing this and this is just the way it works. Uh, This is just the start. Um, And there was a few comments in chat about like, why not just send two people to like back up her story? I think that just kind of shows that like our civilization isn't ready yet. You know, and that's why there's so many of these things just take time. Like, that's just for us to deal with in the meantime for these aliens to have us go on this journey again. Sean pointed out trying to understand Interstellar's ending helped this ending. Could you think of any like two more polar opposite like scientific explanations in a sci-fi movie than Contact and Interstellar? <laughs> like, they do have a very similar wormhole design, right. especially when uh, she's seeing things through the floor and the sides. I, oh, yeah, I, there's, cool. a, there's a similar vibe that Mo- Nolan, I think, pulls from this. The one thing that growing up like was probably the most frustrating thing about this movie for me was at the end of the the hearing, like James Woods just is so pissed when she returns and no time has passed on earth. But she says, I've been on this journey for 18 hours. And, you know, there's nothing to back that up. So they go through this hearing. He like rings her uh, and everyone is just like left to wonder if it actually happened. So the kind of like society is even more almost just as broken down before as uh, they were after. And then afterward, he has this conversation with Angela Bassett Mm -hmm. where she asks him like, Hey, did you review our classified findings? And he's like, yeah, what about it? Uh, She essentially says the tape that she recorded had 18 hours of static. How is that not in the hearing? That should be page one of this entire effing process. What is classified about that? That essentially proves the whole thing. Wake up. <laughs> I couldn't, have, as a kid, I was yeah. so pissed and I'm still pissed about it. Like I, that whole part of it, make make like a year go by before they reveal that finding the classified documents or something. There's I mean, no it's reason. exactly what they do now. That's the thing. Like this is what, are this is what we do to each other we we just we we even we have these moments of truth but we keep for whatever reason like if we if we want to talk about ufos now we it's like we're the crazy ones but then like uh, videos come out that have been classified for years from our navy and there's unidentified unidentified objects flying around and it's like why is this classified info? But this is, this is nothing new. This is what we do to each other. This is what the government does to us. And I'm not going to go on some tin foil hat right now, but it's, it's, it's not, it's like, yes, it is maddening what they put her through at the end of this because they have the answers and they can just be like, yeah, we have 18 hours. We should never even have this hearing. We, there's no reason why you're even here. You're not going to jail for anything. So mm-hmm. why are we putting you through this? But this is what, 
this is what we do as a as a as a civilization. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty accurate that they would hide something like that. But I wish that it wasn't even in the movie. I, I forget anything about it. I would rather it be more ambiguous mm. that you could because with that it's that just gives you concrete proof that everything that Ellie did, you know, said she experienced, she did. And, and it's, it's not in her head and she didn't imagine it. It's not anything else. She's not, you know, lying. It's real. But if that wasn't in there, you could make an argument that it, it didn't happen. And that this mm-hmm. was some kind of, you know, self-induced, you know, experience th- yeah. to, you know, have that final moment with her father. And to me, that's a better ending than to give like this concrete proof evidence that it's, that, that it, you know, she did travel there. Mm-hmm. So I wish that part was just not even in the movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Any reporter with half a brain would ask about the footage. Any <laughs> reporter, any random idiot on the street would be tweeting at whitehouse.gov asking well, they, about they, the release they of They say footage. nothing recorded. They say it was all static. There's just nothing on there. So it's just, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I disagree with it not being in there, but I think the reason I like it in there is because it just makes me continue to question everything, uh, motive and, uh, just what we do to each other. Mm-hmm. There's a few, uh, funny comments. Mel says it should have ended with James Woods being shot into space. <laughs> uh, art. How about the end when she's talking to those school kids, those kid actors are giving Jody nothing back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, let's see. Last few comments I have. Um, the Joss line at the end, I probably would have cut out Palmer Joss. I get that. I I can kind of see thematically. It's like uh, you could say it's a man finally supporting Jody, which is important in this movie at least. Um, when see, she talked for me, real quick. Sorry to cut you off. For me, the Palmer Joss character is more of a metaphor than it is an actual, like, I feel like he's, he's meant to be the faith talk to Jody's science talk. And I feel like his conversation at the, when his quote at the end, isn't, isn't about uh, a male supporting a female or him supporting the person he loves. It It's like, it's the, it's the religious mm. side supporting the science side, which is something we don't, ever see the first Mm. and so i feel like more or less if you could look at this film see that's why i love this movie more or less you could look at this film from the viewpoint of it being a complete metaphor and you'd have just uh, yeah the love interest is there but it's not it's not meant to actually be uh two people falling in love for each other it's meant to be this convert this the story of merging science with religion and what it looks like as humans. And I don't, I, I, I know I said in the beginning, this, there's so much, this movie makes me feel that I can barely put into words. Uh, and I feel like the best, my best way to describe Paul, Palmer Joss's character is that he's the metaphor for Jody's science. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Can you imagine Proto's reaction to this movie being released in 4k seeing some of the CGI? <laughs> <laughs> my God. Uh, last few notes, then I'll give my rating. Um, Wait, Mel, Mel made a comment, but he's portrayed as a creep. Most religious <laughs> men, I hate to break it to you, are creeps. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. It's That's just it, it's how it's, it's a lot of it's a how a lot of the religious heads come across, and I, I honestly think he portrays it quite well. Um, can you like her reaction? Well, I was going to say her reaction to the beauty of that trip, and just kind of like weeping at the beauty. Her famous line of like, "No word should have sent a poet." Like, can you imagine seeing something so gorgeous outside of our planet that you just start weeping? Yes. Um, I love the line about how this, the news talking about this is the most expensive project in human history. So good. <laughs> so fun to kind of like have that it? weight behind it. What was the number they put on this building? Like, I don't remember. It's like over some trillions. Trillion dollars. <laughs> over trillions of dollars. Um, the many explanations of them talking about the aliens were like, why would the aliens go through all this work to like kill us when they're having this debate with James Woods. Mm -hmm. And then someone says, you know, do you feel guilt when you step on an anthill? Uh, I just loved how everyone had this kind of like back and forth, really smart, big brain conversation happening. Um, five stars still for me. There's some, some flaws I think in this viewing that I just didn't notice before, but overall still love this movie. I still love the big questions it asks about life and what's out there. So five stars for me. Pardon, what about you? Two things I didn't get to say. Well, one is that the guy who drops out J John Russell and has that press meeting, what <laughs> yeah. a wet noodle. Dude, grow up. You have a chance oh to meet God. aliens for the first time and you're staying back because you have a wife and kids. Daddy, don't go. His one Please kid. Up. Also putting the guilt on that kid. That kid grows up and finds out like, oh, I was the reason why my dad never met aliens. I'm the reason my dad didn't die on that first shuttle. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Stupid. Um, oh, See, I thing, was right, Dad. Uh, Jodie Foster is absolutely gorgeous in this movie. There's mm -hmm. some uh, um, amazing shots of her. I mean, the shots, the shots at the the satellites, all those are beautiful uh, shots, in incredible. Um, yeah, I was just like, so her speech at the end. Sorry, I didn't mean it. Like her speech. At the end, where she's in front of the hearing, that is like one of the most amazing scenes mm -hmm. in movie history. Her performance there, sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she. I, I, I love her performance in this. Um, and I, I love uh, Zemeckis movies as well. I, I love him as a director. I think he mm -hmm. has. Uh, it makes me want to watch Castaway. I watched like a half hour of Castaway uh, a couple months ago, and I was like, dang. Are we doing Castaway? <laughs> I would I would love to rewatch that movie. Um, but yeah, I I love this movie as well. Um, very very dear to me, and 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 just all the themes of it um, just hit so close to home. Um, and it, it's just you know what I want from a movie in terms of like sci-fi. So I give it four stars. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I'm. I think I have it logged twice as two five star reviewings. This is. This movie is very special. I I vibe with it quite a bit. I think Zemeckis did an amazing job. There's some very incredible choices like the mirror shot and some of the wide shots of Jody, you know, at the end on the cliff and with the satellites. And it's just, I, I love this film. I, I love that it makes me um, question life i mean and to think about things from two sides instead of having an argument have a conversation and 
um, figure out things uh, from as many perspectives as you can. I mean, I, I said, I, I believe in, I believe in God and I love to learn about science. I love to have things factually proven to me and I, I enjoy it. And so this film just kind of does that for me where it, it, it just is a marriage of two things that I, I, I hold quite dear and Jody's incredible. I, I, I think she's couldn't have been anyone else in this role. Mm. Um, I, I love her in this film and yeah, it's, it's going to be five stars. I will continue to watch this film. I'll continue to, to learn some things from this film and um, just always having some sort of open mind to having conversations with other people who think different than you. Mm. Got a DM uh, from Josh on IG. Contact walked so a rival could run. I like that. I like that comment. Although I think <laughs> I have a very running. hard time finding the comparison to rival besides uh, having communication with an alien. Mm, it's a big theme. I think it's the family stuff. The stuff with her and her daughter in Arrival. Mm-hmm. Like, <gasps> you kidding me? <gasps> that music. During that have, scene where she's yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Arrival. I just, it's, it's, Do you? I don't compare the two. That's what's kind of fascinating with that conversation. Rewatch our, I'm going to re-listen to our Arrival episode and go right to that segment where I put that clip in. How about Zemeckis' career? Let me just rattle off some, this period of time. Back to the Future, Amazing Stories, Roger Rabbit, the rest of the Back to the Futures, <laughs> Death Becomes Her, Forrest Gump, Contact, what lies beneath and then cast away. And then I think he stopped making movies after that. (laughs) So good for him to end on top and then never make another movie. Contact. We did it. What a, what a movie. Glad uh, we were finally able to discuss it on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next week, we will be doing a movie that we'll reveal later in the show. uh, where We are going to announce the winner between Greta Gerwig V Sigourney Weaver. Um, really excited to reveal the results. But we have some VMs, not just some VMs. Oh, we got a few VMs. Yeah, we got a lot. Let's go. Uh, this is a big VM app, but we got a letter first and foremost from a dear friend of the show, Bixel, Alex. Uh, and you can shoot us a letter if you want. We have links on 70mmpod.com to shoot us an email, leave us a voicemail, anything you want. Dear 70mm hosts and Passel. Is it Passel? Possum? Passel? Can mm-hmm. I pronounce it? I'm sure Eric will let me know. I just wanted to send a note of thanks and gratitude. First, I wanted to say thank you to Proto, Danny, and Slim for creating this podcast and in turn creating one, one of the most incredible, funny, smart, and welcoming communities I've ever been a part of. You dudes have brought so much light and belly laughs into my life during the pandemic, a true ray of constant sunshine. To the Possum Kingdom. Thank you for giving me so many giggles throughout each and every day. Honestly, don't know if there's anything more great at distracting me from my from doing my job than the kingdom. To my SATC bebs, Boom, Mel, Sophs, Wes, Catcher, Bean, Forrest, and my love, Caesar. This journey has been so much fun, and I can't wait to always be your Samantha. This feels like a graduation like uh, speech. <laughs> <laughs> Come join us on our watch throughs if you would like to discuss how much of a D Mr. Big is or how much of an absolute snack Aiden is after a haircut. Is this too much mush? It needed to be done and said. Will this email 
get you to do a Christmas story episode, I hope. Anyways, this feels long. Okay, bye, Alex, a.k.a. Bixel. I don't know what he said after he started to stop complimenting us. The half the uh, the letter was referencing members of our Discord, which you can join at yeah. 70mmpod.com. Uh, so lots of love for everyone in the community. Great to hear from uh, Bixel. Thank you, Bixel. Pardo, any thoughts on uh, Sex in the City? Uh, <laughs> that's the one with um, Sarah Uh-oh. Jessica Parker. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I, yes. have no, I have no thoughts, and I really don't care. <laughs> oh, a lot of watch. I think they're they're going through a uh, watch through of that show. Mm. That's what he was referencing. God bless. Let's see. We have some VMs to get to. Uh, first VM comes from Bex. Guys, do yes. I want to date Matthew McConaughey in this movie, <laughs> or do I just want his perfectly curly hair? <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'm glad I'm watching Contact. Okay. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Remember when he Thank first met her? He's like, I think it's pronounced El Radar. <laughs> King. Mm. Next VM. Thanks, Bex. I always imagined a little bit more of a production for my first voicemail, but I guess standing on my back porch will have to do. Mm. My question for contact is, you know, the, the shitty director dude, the person who's always pulling funding and saying aliens were stupid. Drumlin. Were you supposed to be sad when he died? Nope. I did not feel anything. I nope. felt relief. Just wondering if that's abnormal. That's all. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. I, bye. This is second of VM almost in as many weeks where we're mystery caller. Oh, so we don't know we who had, that is. Uh, we had Rosemary a few weeks ago, and we don't know who that is. Oh. The the saddest part about that is that the device explodes. Right. You know, Thank and God then you're like, oh one. no, what's gonna happen with the movie? Which is a great <laughs> twist. How great is mm-hmm. it that that oh we didn't even talk about that? The satellite image where they zoom in oh, on click, the second click, site. Click. You kidding me? <laughs> I can't remember whose review it was in our Discord that talked about um maybe it was Nikki about v- v- video chat. Mm-hmm. In 1997, there's a lot of video chat in this. Yeah. And that oh, wasn't yeah. really a thing, if I remember correctly, back then. But they were doing it willy-nilly. <laughs> willy-nilly. Hey, 70MM, it's Mike Rappin. Uh, I'm just calling in. I haven't called in in a while. I, I'll admit I'm a couple weeks behind on the show. Okay. Uh, I thought the Orlando episode was fantastic. That's pretty mm-hmm. much where I'm at. Um, but the reason why I'm calling tonight is because I, I'm a little confused because I keep seeing on social media like 70 mm contact 70 mm contact and i don't know if that's like a cry for help or like maybe i'm missing something but i this is me contacting you this is me reaching out to make sure that everything's okay on your end um so get back to me let me know i hope the the three of you guys are, are doing well i hope this episode that you're recording tonight whatever it is 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 good and uh hopefully we'll talk soon uh, I hope this is what you were looking for with all those messages i'll see you later <laughs> always check in on your friends thank you Bless mike him. Thank you, Mike. We're we're hanging on by a thread. <laughs> Next VM, I think, might come from Andy, uh, and he left a note in his email saying to make this a quick episode so we can get some Apex games in. But unfortunately, oh, Andy, I don't Andy. think that's happening right now. 
Hey, what's up, guys? It's uh, Andy from Orlando, and I just finished watching Contact, and I gave it three stars on LB, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good film. Um, Unfortunately, it reminded me a lot of Interstellar, and I just enjoyed that movie a little bit more, uh, maybe because of the special effects or maybe some of the uh, surprises or some of the action scenes or whatnot, but... Um, again, nothing against Contact, uh, solid film, great performance by Jodie Foster, great pick, slim for those reasons. And so, um, yeah, again, I enjoyed the movie, but uh, just excited to hear the episode. Can't wait. I don't even know how many Matthew McConaughey impressions you're going to have tonight, Slim. I can't wait for that count. <laughs> and uh, lastly, I wanted to ask you guys this question. If you guys had the opportunity, let's say the same thing played out like in the movie, Ooh. we make contact. Um, you know, there's this space mission uh, opportunity, and it was given to you guys. <laughs> let's just say, uh, would you take like it? This. Would you go? Would you make? Would you go on that on that mission? I uh, can't wait to hear the answers. Uh, anyways, love you guys a whole lot, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. That's a great question, Proto. What would you do if I could go on the mission? Would you take the mission? I'd have to go on the mission. Mm. My fate. Wow. I was born to make contact. <laughs> <laughs> How do we not have a Photoshop of Proto's face on Palmer Joss in his curly hair holding his little Bible? I honestly feel sick. Waltzing around Washington. Can't Who's in charge this. here? <laughs> Who's running the show at Discord right now? <laughs> Danny, would you take the leap? Uh, it is uh, I, I, my dream to go into space, um, but no, mm. <laughs> I would not take the leap. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not for me. It's for it's for another. It's for another man with forgot, lesser kids. I forgot that there was a scene where they kind of even told her that you know time passes differently. Yeah, the fifty. You know, everyone's going to be dead when you come back. Uh, I kind of totally forgot about that stuff. Human, human. Sorry, boom. <laughs> uh, next VM. Human. Coming in hot from, uh, I think, Mel. Hey, buds. It's Mel. Um, I'm in the backyard, so sorry about the birds and stuff. <laughs> um, this has nothing to do with contact. Um, I Slim, I am sorry that I didn't give it five stars. Apologies. But anyway, this has nothing to do with contact. But Danny wanted it, so here we go. Oh my, she's <clears> doing <throat> it. Dear Darla, I hate your stinking guts. You make me vomit. You are the scum between my toes. Love, Alf, Alpha. <laughs> God. This uh, is that from Little Rascals. Little Rascals. She said she memorized the letter, and I told her not to write it and to leave a voicemail, <laughs> and she did because she's I, the best. See if I can uh, find honestly, the actual, I couldn't ask for more. Uh, see if I can loop that together. I love like when you, Proto gets a quote exactly right. In you the think movie. she did it? You think she did it? We'll find out. On point. Oh baby, let's put them together. <laughs> What's your favorite part about the Little Rascals? Um, I love the part where uh, Sarah Jessica Parker um, <laughs> slaps off Alpha. 
Oh, uh, mama mia. I knew Mel's rating as soon as she saw my kickboxer rating this week. It was the, the die had been cast. Are you telling cast. me her, 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 her rating for contact was- Revenge rating. A revenge rating? Yeah, it's, we don't like to talk Honestly, about revenge sick. ratings out Revenge loud. ratings are- We all know they exist in Letterbox. revenge this, ratings. This makes me sick. We shouldn't talk about it anymore. Revenge ratings. rating. Mm. We got another VM coming in from a Matthew. I'm not sure which Matthew this is. Hey, 70 millimeter. Matthew McConaughey here. Been a fan of the show for some time now and saw you were doing my film Contact this week. What an honor. I want to thank Robert Zemeckis, our director. I want to thank Jodie Foster, who I work with daily. I want to thank you hosts and all the villagers out there. Now, most of all, I want to thank Slim for picking my movie this week. The Podfather, who I know is out there right now with a big old hot dog in his hand, wrapped in a pretzel bun, no condiments, and he's dancing right now. Also want to thank my hero. That's who I chase. Now, when I was 28 years old on the set of contact, I was looking up at the stars and a very important person in my life came up to me and said, who's my hero? And I said, you know what? I have to think about that. Give me a couple of weeks. I come back two weeks later. This person comes up and says, who's your hero? I said, I thought about it. You know who it is? It's me. When I go up in space, hopefully 17 years from now. So I turn 45, 17 years later, that same person comes up to me on the set of Interstellar and says, are you a hero? And I was like, not even close. No, no, no. She said, why? I said, I've been to space in the movies, but until I've actually been to space, I'll never be my hero. But that's just fine with me because it keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. So to any of us out there, whatever it is you're chasing, to that I say, amen. For that I say, all right, all right, all right. Thank oh you. Where is Marcy? Can Marcy wrangle these impressions? Uh, we need to get Marcy There's to no way that was Marcy. Ha handle this. Thank you, Thank you That Matthew. did sound more like George Bush than Matthew McConaughey. Sean's right in chat. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, that was that's Marcy, good. Mel says. All right, props to Mel Marcy then. Oh, good job, Marcy. Final VM. It's a long one. This is uh, breaking the... Uh-oh. This is breaking the rules that were set forth, but uh, we'll allow out because they won Letterbox Pro last week. 90-second rule, unspoken, spoken rule. Good mm. evening, 70-millimeter gentlemen. It's no soul, no problem. Mm. Guys, thanks so much for the uh, pro subscription for Letterboxd. Thanks, Letterboxd. Um, what a blessing. I really appreciate it. The more primary reason for my call is that I just finished watching Contact um, mm. for the very first time. Uh, is midnight and I was going to go to sleep, but I was like, I got to get the, I got to get these thoughts out of my head. I get it out while they're fresh. Um, let me start with, uh, my only qualm. Mm. My, my primary qualm with this movie is McConaughey and Foster's chemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it hot. is a little lackluster, but I don't know if I could find a whole lot else to complain about, about this movie. I think that it shows up. I think it shows out. I think that the visual effects, especially for their time, are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, did you find a 4K version of this, Slim? No. Because <laughs> if you did, I might need to, I might need to borrow that from Not you. Not available. Um, the visual effects are great. Silvestri always does a phenomenal job with his scores. Mm -hmm. And I will say the the first third of this movie, I was I was very intrigued. 
And then, the, and then I got into the second third of the movie and I was like, I think this is going to end up being about a f- four star. Um, and then the final right act hit. And I was like, is this, is this a four and a half star? <laughs> what, what is this going to be? And that's know. what my heart was saying was, was it was going to be like a four, four and a half star just heart. because of the chemistry issue. I felt the chemistry was really bad, but man, by the end of this movie, I was like, this has got to be a five star. This has got to. This is a five star movie, one hundred percent. And I finished it, and I was blown away. So thank you, Slim, for picking this movie. Thank you for finally, almost practically making me watch this movie. Because holy cow, mm-hmm. I need to go and buy this. Mm-hmm. This needs to go into my permanent collection. What a phenomenal film! Yes. Thanks again for the pro membership for Letterboxd. Thanks again for picking this. And holy cannoli, thank you for just being a thing because you've exposed me to this wonderful movie and I am forever in your debt. Bye. No soul, no problem, Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you. That's amazing. First night, first time viewing. Oh, I think a lot of people on our Discord watch for the, the first time. time. But man, can you imagine first time viewing? Imagine it. I'm trying yeah. to imagine it. Try harder. <laughs> try try hard. <laughs> we have a big reveal. The the winner of the vote for leading lady uh bracket between Sigourney Weaver, Greta Gerwig. Uh Danny, do you have the percentages up? Are you ready I have to have them right here to the audience how it played out? With sixty-seven people chiming in. And 61.2% of the vote, Sigourney Weaver is the winner of our Leading Ladies Month. Ding, 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 ding. Sigourney pulls through. Mm -hmm. It's a blowout. Congratulations, Sigourney. Like LeBron versus the Warriors. So that means we have to choose a movie from Sigourney's vast library. Vast. Very vast. Very vast. Um... If if I can just pull the curtain back, pull it just a little bit. You know the first movie I thought of for us to do. Tell us, Jim Cameron's Avatar. You you were vibing you on that hard. I was vibing real hard. Is that on that? 4K? We all admitted. <laughs> no, it's not on 4K. We all kind of agreed that that would have been a troll pick, and it probably definite, went definite troll job that, on that one. <laughs> you talk about a revenge rating. That would be a revenge pick. Uh, for how everything transpired. Don't worry, Mel. We're not doing that one. Don't worry, Mel. Uh, but with, Danny was even pulled up a few articles about how mm-hmm. important Sigourney Weaver is to, you know, leading lady film. She really is. She I mean, is. She kind of yeah. set the stage and has some of the most important uh, films of our time. Especially the Alien franchise. Alien franchise. Kidding me? Mm-hmm. Remember the alien journey we went on in Discord, Proto? It was beautiful. Yeah. Changed my life. Brandon says, if it's not alien, I'm out. It's not. A lot of alien talk. It's not alien. Sorry. But, we, you know, <laughs> how could we marry the troll pick with the real pick? Mm-hmm. So why not do one of the greatest action science fiction movies ever made by human beings on this planet mm-hmm. and do aliens? Starring Sigourney Weaver. Aliens. 
that's going to be our app, app next week. And that's streaming on Prime right now. So you can watch that. You can fire that bad boy up right now. Listen, listen to this quote from Sigourney Weaver talking about aliens and her character Ripley. The best constructed story for the character to tell was in Aliens. Just because Jim has such an amazing sense of story structure. To take this character out of hyper sleep, have no one believe her, have her be exiled into this limbo land where no one believes her and her family's dead, the whole setup for Ripley and Aliens, and then what she ends up doing, and finding this new family by the end, the whole structure of that story, to me, was gold. You can't think of Sigourney without Ripley. You can't have the greatest action movies without Ripley and Sigourney. It, this, is, this is her leading lady moment. Are we doing aliens right now? I feel like Danny is ready just to get, get into it. <laughs> Can we talk about it right now? I'm so excited. Her hair in aliens belongs in a museum. They need to mm. get, they need to reconstruct her hair. Have put her grow that it on out, a mannequin. Without again, shave it off, put it in the museum behind the glass is what we need. Mm. Uh, that is available in 4K. You can get that on a disc, I think. I'm not sure if it's available digitally in 4K. I tried to scan around, but uh, it's available some way, somehow, if you are into that sort of things. Thank you, Brandon. Brandon is settling for aliens. Um, I knew I knew you would. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> We knew you would. Just a reminder, we're doing Aliens next week, and then the entire month of June is Indiana Junes, doing the whole kit and caboodle every week. Whole thing. I'm uh, so excited. We've, we've got some bonus apps schemed up that I think will be pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Proto, any closing thoughts for tonight? You know, watching this, I thought that Ellie, you know, if this was real, Ellie would have probably live the the most unique life of anyone who gets to have first contact with uh you know another uh, an, another uh person in the universe and how incredibly amazing that would be and, and you know set her apart but then i thought you know what her, that would make her life unique but truly all of our lives are would be just as unique because no you know we have family people who we're similar to with we're moving through time together but in the continuum of space time no one has lived the life that you're living now you are a unique and special snowflake and and we love you thanks for being here mm. we'll see everybody next week for aliens goodbye Seventy Millimeter is a tape deck production featuring original artwork provided by Danny Haas. Spiritual guidance and Viger, the robot who loves movies, created by Predalexis. Producer Amaritis, Dale underscore A. Prints and other merch are available on 70mmpod.com. This episode was mixed, edited, and produced by me, Slim.
You can support our Patreon for access to the VHS Village Discord to talk movies with new friends, access to exclusive episodes, discounts on merch, and a physical membership card mailed to you. To check out other Tape Deck podcasts, find the link in the episode notes. And if you'd like to support our friends at Letterboxd and upgrade to pro or patron status, you can do so with a 20% off discount using the links at 70mmpod.com. Goodbye. This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast.